Welcome to Paranormal Almanac. With your host, Kurt Sandvig. Kurt Zavik, and on this edition of Paranormal Almanac, let's look at New Zealand. But first, as always, let's head on over to patreon.com slash paranormal almanac, and let's shout out some patrons. That's right, we have Nezhead, Brad, Andrew, Tasha, Scott, Andrea, Devin, Melody, Spencer, Ricardo, Vicky, Christopher, Vanessa, Marisol, Liam, Roger, Michael, Terminal Animal, Alicia, Derek, Becca, Elizabeth, Voidtech, Sherry, Art Muffin, Trudy, Tim, Kenneth, Paul, Ricardo, Ian, Damien, and Daniel, Ian, Eric, Brandon, Jen, Alexandra, George, Connie, Seth, Jason, Cindy, Kim, Ashley, what's that? Loki, Carrie, Ezra, Robin, Will, Lauren, and Phil Mangano, Russ, thank you again, Russ, for the shirt. That's awesome. Donald, April, Meth, uh, Meth, why'd say Meth? Mildog, or Eric, Isabel, Audra, Dorian, Cindy, Bob, The Sean, Bishop, Paula, Jerry, Leo, Scoston, Lindsay, Hahn, Megan, Aaron, Amy, Jeff T, Harley, Suzanne, Joe, Lawrence, Lauren Strawn, Veronica, Autumn, J Mark, Manning, Carolyn, Martin, Nash, Martin, Jade, Nanashi, Heidi, Chuck, Todd, Jamie, and Elijah Hendrickson, Dan, Dill, Laura Pitts, and Gamer Fan. Thank you to all of you, Patreons, Patreons, Patrons, and all of the Paramaniacs that make this show a better show. Uh, the reason that I said thank you for sending me the shirt, if you listened to that, is that you can actually send me stuff. I've had a lot of people say, hey, I want to send you X, Y, or Z. Well, you can do that. And how you do that is you can mail me stuff at Paranormal Almanac or Kurt Sandvig, 1812 West Burbank Boulevard, number 7102, Burbank, California, 91506. Now, we also have a special shout-out to Joe Teague and Stitch. Happy birthday, Joe. All righty, let's get right on in to Paranormal News. Ghost demons that haunt the night Strange objects fly through the sky Shadow people are spending the night Children knock on my door A portal to hell opens in my room Time travel man says the world is changing soon Don't fucking shoot Bigfoot That's right. Man, that's such a great bumper music. I'm so glad that I was able to incorporate it into the uh, sound pad again. Because for a while there, I had lost all of them. And I was really, really bummed out. But I found them all. I've got a lot of them. There are so many cool paranormal news bumper music that are back. Like, 
field. So good. Suddenly there was this incredibly bright light descending from the sky. Next thing we knew, don't worry, you'll hear more of that one later. Um, yeah, it's there's just so many great paranormal bumper music out there that I have. And if you want to send me yours, if you're if you're musically inclined like a lot of my fans are, a lot of the Paramaniacs are, you can send your bumper music um, to paranormalalmanac at gmail.com is like the easiest way to do it. Uh, I was going to say you can go over to the Facebook pages. There's the fan page, the regular page, or just the email. And I want to put that out there. If you're a new listener or I get a lot of people saying like, how do I send you stories? Well, just right there. Paranormal Almanac at gmail.com. Send me your real listener ghost stories. I want to do another listener ghost story episode coming up. I've been teasing it for quite a while. Things kind of fell through and didn't really happen the way I'd planned. Uh, you know, the pandemic after, even after the pandemic with, uh, I was going to have my buddy Sean Bishop come on here, but he now moved over to Hawaii, so good on him. I love him for doing that. I'm very happy for him. But it uh, makes it kind of hard for him to sit here and do a paranormal news or a, uh, a listener ghost story, I should say, with him. So if you have some listener ghost stories and you don't want to wait till the listener live episode, some people just can't do it or don't know about it, well, you can always send me your personal paranormal experience to paranormalalmanac at gmail.com. But as that music said... It's time for some paranormal news. Let's get right on into the first story. The first story from Paranormal News. A look inside people's brains who say they've had a UFO encounter. Now, fingers crossed, I hope to talk to the gentleman that this story is about, Dr. Gary Nolan. I actually sent him an email. I'm going to you know, kind of nudge him again. I really, really want to talk to him on the show because I'm very interested in what he has to say. Uh, the story says a professor has been testing the brains of people who say they've experienced a UFO encounter, and these are the symptoms that they display. Once again, his name is Dr. Gary Nolan. He's a professor of pathology at Stanford University. He's published more than 300 research articles and holds 40 U.S. patents. This guy knows what he's talking about. He spent the past decade analyzing materials from alleged unidentified aerial phenomena. More on that in a second. Very freaking cool. Uh, speaking to this news source, news source, he says um, he admitted to being an avid reader of science fiction, said his interest took flight when he reached out to a man named Stephen Greer, who claimed a small skeleton was possibly an alien. It wasn't. It was eventually revealed that skeleton was human, as it had a number of mutations in skeletal genes that could potentially explain the biology. I've talked about that one before. But he published the paper called A Whole Genome Sequencing, The Whole Genome Sequencing of Atakma. Atacama, sorry, geez, Atacama skeleton shows novel mutations linked with dysplasia. Uh, that's when he said he was led, uh, he was contacted by people linked to the CIA and various aeronautic corporations. His involvement with UAP began after he was asked to use his, quote, blood analysis instrumentation to help with cases of pilots who were close to alleged UAPs and had horrible brain damage. I'm telling you, I got to get this guy in the show. I really hope he responds to my email. I would love to talk to him. He says, if you ever looked at an MRI of somebody with multiple sclerosis, there's something called white matter disease. It's scarring. It's a big white blob or a multiple white blob scattered throughout the MRI. It's essentially dead tissue where the immune system has attacked the brain. That's probably the closest you could come to if you wanted to look at a snapshot from one of these individuals. You can pretty quickly see that there's something wrong. So approximately 100 patients, mostly defense or governmental personnel, or people working in the aerospace industry, 
were analyzed. The uh, symptoms were, uh, let's see, a smorgasbord of patients. You have a smorgasbord of patients, some of whom had heard weird buzzing in their heads, got sick, etc. A reasonable subset of them have claimed to have seen UAPs and some claim to uh, be close to things that got them sick. Ultimately, his team learned the people uh, had an overconnection of neurons between the head of the caudate and the putamen. I don't know what the hell a putamen or a caudate is. The number of people that uh, overconnection led to the open question, did coming in contact with whatever it was cause it or not? He said that approximately a quarter of the MRI patients who claim they've had an encounter died from their injuries. This is seriously cool, seriously scientific stuff about UAP or UFO involvement. Uh, and the majority of them were found to have symptoms identical to the Havana syndrome. If you don't know what that is, look that up. I, it's going to be, I'll spend 10 minutes on this, art, this article if I don't tell you to look something up. Again, very interesting though. I would love to have Dr. Gary Nolan on the show. If you happen to know him or can get in contact with him, please do so and, and beg him for me because it sounds just absolutely incredible that, again, science is working on the paranormal or, in this case, UFO, UAPs, and I think it's going to help us explain a lot of stuff. Alrighty, up next in paranormal news, op-ed in the LA Times today. Okay, it's time to take UFOs seriously. Of all the year's political drama, the most surprising may be the U.S. government's actions on UAPs or UFOs. I'm not going to go into the report, you know, all about that, but they said, you know, it's time to take this stuff seriously. And even Congress wants answers. The, uh, the move represents a significant public progress to understand UAPs. For all its dysfunction, only Congress has the institutional power and the legitimacy to lead this conversation. Yeah, uh, I'm not, again, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah, yeah, it's time to take them seriously. Hell, yes, it's time to take them seriously. For the love of God, stop putting the stigma on UFOs and UAPs and people that see them and professionals that see them. And for the love of God, let's actually start looking into it. Alrighty, up next in paranormal news, a mysterious UFO sighting caught on camera. This one came out yesterday and investigative filmmaker Jeremy Corbell joins Fox News primetime to discuss UFO sightings and how the government is hiding the information. So let's listen now. UFO sightings with the latest being out of Chino Hills, California, where a swarm, look at this, of what looks to be UFOs were caught darting across the sky in a video obtained by TMZ. This isn't anything new. Sightings like this are taking place all across the country. That video actually is very some interesting. Some recent UFO footage has even page. been confirmed by the U.S. government. So there's a lot of reason to believe that UFOs may actually exist. And here now to make sense of all of this is investigative filmmaker, Jeremy Corbell. Jeremy, uh, great to see you again. This is, this right, is flying objects. It doesn't mean flying saucer. It means we don't know. Our military is reporting them as well as civilians. I get videos every day since our government admitted that UFOs are real and they fly with impunity in our restricted airspace. As you remember, this past last six months, I've been obtaining and releasing military footage of UFOs that the Pentagon has been confirming. When you get these videos like the one you showed earlier, it's one single source, a civilian single source. We need corroborative sensor data in order to have a very robust case for a specific UFO event series. That's what I provided with the USS Omaha and the some recent UFO footage has right. even been confirmed. 
Alrighty, so I don't want to play the whole thing, but yeah, he is right. I mean, it is time that, again, it's time that we start taking these things seriously. They're coming out left and right, even more so. That Chino Hills one, it's actually, it's a really, really neat one. I didn't put it in the um, Paranormal News, but I know it's our, it's already been posted on the fan page. I'll post it again if you haven't seen it. It's bizarre. I don't know what to make of it. It looks like a bunch of lights above the clouds in like a UFO, UFO kind of formation. It's very bizarre, very interesting. All right, up next in Paranormal News, let's stick with UFOs for a little bit longer. UFOs fill New Jersey sky as shocked onlookers film them. The five-minute clip, which is picked up by the UFO, blah, 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 was filmed in Patterson, New Jersey on December 10th, and in it, shocked onlookers watch as several flying objects hover above them. The UFO glows as they move across the sky, sometimes in a line, but other times they move apart and then back together. Confused eyewitnesses try to identify them, but rule out drones and shut down one person who says they're just stars. One man is certain it's aliens. Sure, why not? So let's watch it now. I save this one till now, as I like to do, so I can watch it live. There's stars moving in a fucking alien. What the fuck is that? It looks a lot like Starlink right now. There's a lot of them, look. There's a lot of them. Look, that's the stars. Look at that guy. That's the stars. That's the stars. What the fuck is that? Looks like Starlink. Still looks like Starlink. We'll skip ahead. Are they gonna move? The star you know carries a, a balloon with you. All right, that's not Starlink. This, if, once I skip to three minutes and 51 seconds, it actually, they become a triangle pattern and, and seem to be moving. And yeah, All right, so that's not Starlink. Starlink. All right, all right, settle down, dude. Uh, yeah, Starlink doesn't, doesn't move like that. All right, that is very interesting then. I don't know what it is. Uh, the FAA hasn't stated what it may or may not have been flying over the Garden State. It isn't the first time in recent history something unexplained has been spotted and filmed over New Jersey. Um, yeah, it's unexplained. It is flying. They are objects. Don't know what to make of it. All right, let's move away from UFOs. Let's go into 2022. Let's find out what's going to happen because the Irish psychic who predicted Trump losing the election, which he did, is at it again. Ireland's Old Moore's Almanac has been coming out for 257 years, and it's still getting things right. For 2021, Old Moore's Almanac predicted um, is predicting for normal life to resume by the late summer, while, virtually, while virtual reality will be on the up. All right, what about 2022? That's what I want to know about. Let's see. Might be a bit of a skeptic, but check out some of the predictions it got right for 2020. An unusual virus has us worried. Okay, but that happened in, in 2019, so they should know about it. More and more people will work from home. Again, yeah, but everybody kind of knew that. Trump will not serve a second term, but he doesn't go quietly. All right, well, that's Trump. That doesn't say much. Dom Democrats will nominate Joe Biden for the presidential race, but this was 2020. He was already nominated. A global recession is coming. Okay. Death of a Hollywood icon. Okay. That happens. All of these things happen every year. Here's Kurt's predictions for 2022. There will be a lot of deaths. People will argue online a lot. There will be a number of Hollywood icons dying, either in the music industry, movies, or TV. See, like I can do this. Financial problems for Johnny Depp. Again, that was already starting. 
a baby for Katy Perry and Orlando. All right, this all of this stuff was stuff that I I knew about, and I'm I don't even have my finger on the pulse. A uh, major earthquake causes loss of life. Happens every year. I could just say a plane will go down in 2022. Chances are, sadly, a plane will go down. Um, so where is 2022? Winter 2021 to 2022 is a stormy one for Europe with less snow than usual. A freak weather event in Italy. Airships are making a comeback. Travel's about to get easier with earbuds that can translate foreign languages. All of this stuff is... All right. Uh, you know what I found out about these guys? Um, yeah, they predict a lot of stuff. I can do the same thing. Uh, technology, a technological advance will happen in 2022 that'll shock people, that'll surprise people. Uh, there'll be some more stories about UFOs in 2022. I can find a couple stories about Bigfoot being sighted in 2022. Um, let's see. Uh Sugar will be bad, and heart attacks will be bad. Like, come on, guys. All right, let's move on. Next up in paranormal news, when he saw a UFO, when he saw a UFO, no, when he saw a Ouija board, he went psycho. He stabbed his girlfriend, police said. Coming from my home state of Michigan. This one came out of Bay City, Michigan. Police are alleging a 23-year-old man was upset over the presence of a Ouija board to the degree he headbutted and stabbed his girlfriend. Let's see, 736 on Friday, December 9th, responded. Police responded to the emergency room at McLaren State Region Hospital to investigate a reported stabbing. The victim, 22-year-old Crystal, was wearing an oxygen mask, said she had uh, fallen in a barn, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but it turns out that this guy had stabbed her uh, to her back under her right arm, causing her to suffer a collapsed lung. Oh, Jesus, dude. Uh, he interviewed two people. They said... Um, he went crazy because they were playing with the Ouija board, quote, because the house is haunted. He went all psycho and started to take the Ouija board away from me, but I told him to bring it back because it wasn't mine. She put the game away, but Samson and her proceeded to argue to the point where he headbutted her, pulled out a folding knife, and stabbed her. Three other witnesses gave a similar account, adding that he was uh, said he was going to kill her. The four friends separated him and his girlfriend after he freaking stabbed her and collapsed her lung. Uh, but yeah, he said that um, he got really mad because she kept using a Ouija board. He said a Ouija board is a game that should not be played at someone's house. It's a game for Satan worshipers. Look, I, I don't think anybody should play with a Ouija board either, but I'm not going to stab someone in the lung for God's sakes. All right, moving on in paranormal news. We only got two more stories. Let's get into this um, episode. We were confronted by a Bigfoot-like Yowie ape man on our way home from work. Uh, three men have told how they encountered an apparent Bigfoot-like Yowie as they traveled home from work, leaving them terrified. The men from remote Queensland, Australia, have claimed that they came across the beast while driving home earlier this month. The three plantation workers were driving on Saturday, December 4th, to the Jimna Base Camp in Australia when they spotted the animal. They said they spotted the slouched-over figure under a streetlight. When the figure noticed them, it turned in their direction. Seamus Fitzgerald described the mysterious figure as having very long arms and an ape-like face. He said, we initially thought it was a boar or a really big animal until we got closer and saw it run off in a very ape-like way. I've never really had a paranormal or strange experience like that before. I hardly slept that night, and the feeling was overwhelming that I seen something that I never believed in previously. Workmate Sterling Slowcock Bennett uh, said the group was immediately confused when it crossed paths with an unknown entity, we were in utter disbelief of what we were seeing. They drew a uh, picture of it, and 
It's a Bigfoot. Yeah, they, they drew a Bigfoot. It's all right. It was definitely a scary moment for me. As I said, I was so confused and shook off what and shook of what we were seeing. And as we got closer and closer, it didn't make any sense like you'd hope. Locals from the tiny town of Jimna, which I'm sure I'm saying wrong. Sorry, Australia. I love you. With a population of just 91 people have reportedly claimed to have seen evidence of the supposed Yowie before. We went on a few hikes after seeing it, but sadly they weren't organized too well. Uh, people were too loud and, and too many people. However, speaking with locals, it seems like the Yowies are pushing out into the storms, are, are pushed out in storms. Oh, I get what he's saying. The Yowies are being pushed out by the people because they're encroaching their habitat. Another witness, that third witness, said it was like nothing I'd ever seen before in my entire life. I knew I had to move, and the moment I did, this thing roared. I thought I was going to die, but then it started running ahead of me, so I veered away from the forest trail. Oh, this is another guy from that town. I get what it's saying. Um, yeah, there's a few people that have seen it in that town, and now new sightings. So there you go. Finally, in paranormal news. Let's really get into this thing, Kurt. Catholic priest performed a difficult exorcism lasting nine hours after a young woman suddenly began convulsing and blaspheming during confession, reports say. Priest in a church in northeast Italy performed a nine-hour exorcism on a 26-year-old woman. When she arrived at the confessional booth, she started screaming and convulsing. After the rite, she fell into a deep sleep, which the priest said was a sign of, a sign of success. Uh, they said that the woman became violent in, in confession and hurled insults in several languages, including Latin. Okay, if that is true, because as you guys know, when it comes to exorcisms and people talking in tongues, it just sounds to, like gibberish to me, and I don't think people are really talking in tongues. So if this woman was actually speaking in several languages, known languages, and in Latin, that's scary as hell. Uh, the woman, who's unnamed, arrived at St. Mary of Mount Barico Church in Vicenza, Italy, on Sunday, December 5th. The young woman had already seen by an exorcism in Verona, but on Sunday, her parents brought her here, probably to have another go at curing an evil she had suffered for some time, according to Father Carlo Maria Rosato. The woman's father was convinced his daughter was suffering from a, quote, psychiatric problem. However, her mother believed her erratic behavior resulted from demonic influence and wanted her to see a priest. Uh, let's see. At the church, believed to be the site of two miracle appearances of the Virgin Mary in the 15th century, she took confession. Suddenly, her body began convulsing. She became highly agitated and screamed in Latin. I want to know, did she know Latin prior to this? Let's see. In the name of... Okay, they started doing the exorcism. It was scary. She was screaming and cursing. He said that the pre the, he, quote, the presence of evil one was visible. Uh, let's see. Wor worshipers and people who worked in the church were escorted out and the church doors barred. Many stopped to pray outside the church during the exorcism. The police and an ambulance arrived at the scene but were not permitted entry. After the ritual, the woman fell into a deep sleep with her friar saying this is a sign of successful exorcism. However, Father Rosado noted that, quote, the liberation cannot happen immediately. It depends on the strength of the presence and on the entity of the evil one. The stillness and silence of the sanctuary penitentiary were suddenly torn apart by the screams and curses of a girl. That's crazy cool. Um, scary crap. All righty, with that, let's uh, take a quick break. We'll be right back. That's right. We are back. Let's get in to this edition. And for this edition, let's go all the way over to the other side of the world for me to New Zealand, which I got to say, 
New Zealand has been high up on my list of places to visit ever since Flight of the Concords and Reese Darby. Like, there is so much cool, cool stuff. Like, obviously, people are going to be, and Peter Jackson and Lord of the Rings and the fact that it's just a gorgeous island. Yes, all of that. Everything about that. Yes. But is there anything paranormal going on there? Spoiler. Yes, there is. Now, of course, I don't know where anything is in relation to the next one. So for anyone who's been to New Zealand or lives in New Zealand, I'm sorry. I'm going to be bouncing all over your country for this, I'm sure. And I apologize if I get anything, um, if I say anything wrong, any of the names wrong. Uh, It seems like it's all straightforward, but, you know, that's usually when it's the straightforward names and someone goes, oh, it's not pronounced um, Gloucestershire, it's pronounced Gloucester. Okay, well, it's not my fault. But, again, I apologize preemptively, because there's a good chance I'll get something wrong. All righty, first up, this one is one that a few listeners told me I had to do a piece about, like either a full episode or just like I'm doing right here, starting an episode with it. And it's the St. James Theater. That's right, I'm going back to a haunted theater again. Now, this theater, obviously, in New Zealand, was opened on Boxing Day in 1899, from what I can find anyway. Now, the theater's land used to belong to a church and a volunteer hall before being bought by entertainer John Fuller in 1899. Now, that's when he turned the old hall into a theater, and he named it His Majesty's Theater, or it just kind of simply became the Fuller Theater. Uh, Until it was declared a fire hazard in 1911 and demolished, so it didn't last very long. Now, after this, um, he said, you know what, I'm going to build a brand new theater It's going to be the best theater in New Zealand. So the new theater opened up a year later in 1912. It was renamed the St. James Theater. Then after his death, that's uh, John Fuller's death, in 1923, it changed owners and changed owners. And like most theaters from that haunted theater episode I did the other day, or, you know, a few episodes ago, this theater kind of got run down as well. And then brought back to life as well. All right, so what's been seen here? Well, First is the most commonly seen ghost, the ghost of a man named Yuri. Yuri was a Russian performer who fell to his death and killed instantly, supposedly. But he's basically kind of just like a pretty chill ghost. He plays with the lights. He messes with people. And he's known to help people as well. But to get to the playing, messing with people, he's known for turning the lights back on when the cleaners turn them off. He's also known, like I was just about to say, I almost spoiled it. Sorry, Yuri. He's also known to have saved the life of a stage projectionist there twice. Now, here's the grain of story salt of Yuri saving a projectionist's life, but it seems like it's pretty accurate. All right, supposedly the projectionist was looking for a light switch in the dark when he was suddenly pushed backwards. So he goes to another part of the theater quickly because he's like, I just got pushed by like nobody. What the crap's happening? It's dark. People are pushing me. No, thanks. So he goes to another part of the theater, turns on the lights, And when the lights came on, he realized that if he wasn't pushed backwards at the exact moment when he was, he would have fallen into the open orchestra pit and probably died. Sometime later after that, that same projectionist, let's call him clumsy ass, uh, or clumsy ass that needs to be saved by a ghost, or hey dude, find a new job kind of thing. Anyhow, this guy... He was saved again by Yuri when he was walking on stage with his infant son in his arms and he was shoved again 
Now, this time, right when he was shoved, a beam from above, not like a beam of light, like a wood beam, fell right where he would have been standing. Look, man, watch your surroundings. Yuri has enough to deal with, you know, being a ghost and all, to keep having to save you. So I hope that the projectionist was like, thanks, thanks, Yuri. My, my kid says thanks. I'm going to now name my child Yuri, despite the fact he's already been named, because I'm an idiot and, like, never went back into the theater. All right, what else is seen here? Well, a whaling woman is seen here. Now, I don't mean a woman that goes out and hunts whales. I mean a whaling, like, crying woman. Now, she's seen all over the theater, and she hasn't saved the projectionist once from what I can find. Now, basically, she just wails and moans. All right, fun fake ghost backstory time. A lot of websites say she used to be an actress who was ready to make her comeback. Unfortunately, she was booed off stage, and because of that, she committed suicide by slitting her wrists, either at the theater or at her own home, depending where you hear this BS story. Look, despite the crappy backstory, she's been seen here a lot. Some sites say Peter Jackson himself has even seen her here. All right, what else is seen here? Well, the ghost of American actor Stan Andrews. What's he do? Save people? Nope. Wail and moan? Nope. He's just seen, or actually more often heard here, wheezing backstage. That's it, just wheezing. How do they know it's him? I don't know. Because Everything I can find about Stan Andrews online, I have never found anything that mentioned that he was wheezy a lot. So I don't know why they think it's him, because they just hear a ghost wheezing a lot, and they, poor Stan Andrews. Uh, let's see, there's also the ghost of a tall, thin man in his 30s, seen walking around here in old-timey clothes. The uh, ghost of <laughs> an entire boys' choir is seen here. Not seen, heard here. So there's an entire ghostly boys choir. Again, there's a crappy backstory of like, you know, they had just performed at the theater and they were leaving on a boat during World War, blah, blah, blah. And the boat never got down and went down in the waters and they were never found again. And no, none of that I can find any proof of. But staff here, a ghostly boys choir singing in the auditorium. And when they try to go like, you know, when they walk towards the source of the sound to, you know, see a bunch of ghostly boy choir kids, nope, it moves to another location. So they'll start walking over there and then boop, moves to another location. I don't know. That is some crazy, crazy crap. Just in the very first location. That's a great one to start with this episode, right? I can see why listeners told me I had to do this one for Paranormal Almanac. Alrighty, now let's see if Yuri can save me on the rest of this episode, and hopefully I get it right. Because up next is Larnick Castle, built by William Larnick. Now, William Larnick was a wealthy merchant banker and a politician. He built the castle for his first wife in the 19th century. It's said it took over 200 workmen three years just to build the exterior of the castle. Now, it's now open up for tours. You can go down there. And an employee there said, um, she said a lot, like this, people often see, say they see things here and hear things in this house, but she's like a non-believer. But she says like she hears from a lot of people on the tours all the time 
that they see or hear things that can't be explained. But before we get to that, uh, let's see. When we when I left off with the building of it, um, Larnick and his wife moved in late 19th century, but soon after, things didn't go well really quickly. Soon after moving into the castle, one by one, his daughter died. Then his first wife died. Then his second wife died, all from, you know, various illnesses and whatnot. Not like he's killing them all. Then, a few a few years later after that, his, um, you know, his bank kind of went bust. And then he was accused of, quote, dishonorable dealings. Then it gets worse from him, or for him. Uh, Larnick committed suicide in a parliament building in 1898 after learning his son was sleeping with his third and much younger wife. So, Larnick's daughter Katie is said to haunt the ballroom. She's seen there often, and it was actually built to celebrate her 21st birthday in 1886. She died just a few years later from typhoid. Let's see. Let's move forward in time to 1967, when newlyweds Margaret and Barry Barker of Auckland were driving around the South Island of New Zealand when they stumbled upon this castle. It was kind of like run down, but still just a beautiful grand castle. They asked if it was for sale. No, not really. Back and forth, blah, blah, blah. Ultimately, they were able to buy one of only two castles in the country. Mary says that she often hears from people about her house. She still considers it her house. And about the things in her house, including when a normally quiet dog began just freaking out, barking like crazy behind a door. When they opened up the door... The dog like kind of looked around and booked it out of there. And then um, while working reception one day, an, quote, ashen-faced man claimed he had, he had been spooked by the ghost of Larnick himself. But according to Margaret, the most famous paranormal event took place there in the castle in 1994, when Castle of Lies, a play based on the Larnick family, premiered in the grand ballroom there. She says... As the guests were seated, suddenly a terribly strong gale of wind started blowing. Smoke from the fireplaces actually blew down the chimneys and sent fine white soot throughout the air. It was followed by heavy rain and hail that crashed loudly against the iron roofs completely unexpectedly out of nowhere. She said the drapes were flying everywhere and just at that point where Larnick was about to kill himself, a flash of lightning shot through the room. Afterwards, at dinner, I heard people asking if it was a stage effect, but the stage manager was adamant it was all real and had no explanation. He said Larnick might have been watching that night. There's also been the reports of uh, spirits touching, pushing, voices, basic, the basic ghost stuff. So as you guys know, when I get to the basic ghost stuff, it's time to move on. But can't move on quite yet because... It's time for a paranormal news in the middle of the episode. That's right. According to the Otago Daily Times, Friday, November, or sorry, December 17th, 2021. Wait, I don't know what it means. It says Friday, December 17th, 2021, Friday, December 28th, 2012. 2012. I'm going to assume it's 2012 and they just republished it. But the story is this. Ghosts pushed us, Larnick Castle tourist claims. Ghostly sightings may have left Cumberland College students spooked, but now a tourist has been bullied by a ghost at Larnick Castle. Sighting of the ghost known as the Grey Lady at the college earlier this month has sparked a media frenzy. 
Uh, the college was in lockdown when he visited others yesterday. The students and staff were spooked by the latest sightings of the Gray Lady. Whether or not the students have known the history and they've talked themselves into believing something, that could be a possibility, but they're genuinely freaked out. Deborah Price of Larnick Castle said reports of ghosts were not uncommon at the castle, which featured on the United States television show Ghost Hunters International several years ago. While attempting to debunk claims of supernatural activity, the crew reportedly filmed what looked like a ghost in the ballroom. A visitor emailed management after the incident at the attraction on Sunday. The man said he was standing with us, standing in the music room with his wife when, quote, something came in between us and pushed us. We stayed where we were, and it happened a second time. Then my wife moved, and I stayed in the same spot, wondering if it would happen again, and it did. But this time, the wall unit next to me started a slight creaking rocking at the same time. The couple also reported being unable to breathe in one of the bedrooms and, quote, it felt like something was suffocating us. The ghost thing can put people off. It's a double-edged sword, and you don't, wanna, you don't want people not to come. So there you go. A little uh, paranormal news in the middle of the story about the story, about Larnet Castle itself. It still seems to be very active. All righty, up next is a slightly different kind of paranormal thing happening in New Zealand, and it's at the Spirits Bay. I'm just going to read this basically from a website. The Spirits Bay is considered a sacred place in Maori culture. According to local legend, this is where spirits of the dead gather to depart from our world before traveling to their ancestral home. Spirits Bay is located at the northernmost area of New Zealand. There are campsites nearby. Visitors can participate in a variety of activities, blah, blah, blah. But Haunted Auckland wrote an article saying, quote, Spirits Bay is claimed to be one of the most haunted locations in New Zealand. According to the legend, if visiting the bay at night, you can observe multiple individual spirits traveling down the beach before disappearing at a single spot. The claims are these spirits ignore any attempt to interact or delay them and are solely focused on their destination. These are believed to be souls departing the island, as mentioned in the Maori legend. In the nearby Tom Bowling Bay, there's a stream, the Kapo... Oh, I, or I looked it up too. The Kapo Wairua. Wairua. I think it's Wairua. Name literally meaning snatching souls. This is said to be the reference to demons who try to snatch at the spirits passing that way. Alrighty, so according to Maori legend, during the night hours, groups of spirits and individuals can be seen moving down the beach to a certain point and then disappearing. These spirits are focused on reaching the next particular part of the beach and will not be distracted from their goals by people, by humans. So if you want a very cool, spiritual, indigenous people kind of place to go while you're in New Zealand, I recommend going to Spirits Bay at the northernmost area of New Zealand. But be careful because there's those uh, snatch and soul dudes as well. All righty, up next is the first debunk on this edition. It's the Carlisle House, first known as the costly home for boys. It opened up in the 1880s. It's been an orphanage, a church, a remand house, a school, and a hostel. And it's supposedly haunted by either 43 school children that died in a fire here in 1912 when a candle lit curtains that burnt the place down, or by a nurse that died in a fire here trying to save some children. All right, here's the problem. There was no horrific fire here ever. The only fire on record here, and it goes back a ways, the records go back a ways, is a small interior fire from T-1 
teens burning the banister since the place was left abandoned decades ago. Now, this building is still here, and strangely, it can't be torn down, nor can it be restored. So basically, it's just kind of been slowly decaying in limbo since the 1970s. So sorry to all of the websites, and there are a lot of them, that say that you can hear the screams of burning school children, or you can see the nurse that saved them. Nope. It's all BS. No real paranormal activity has been reported here ever. Sadly, I mean, it really is like it's a sad end to a beautiful building. I don't understand why they won't let someone restore it. And all you websites, stop writing about it. It's not haunted. It's just an old rundown building that's been run down and decaying since the 70s. It's a beautiful old building. Teenagers go in there all the time and they write the stupid... Um, Whatever that stupid saying is from um, the, the, the from Westworld, Turkish delights bring childish delights. Whatever that stupid saying is, they paint they spray paint that on the walls, thinking they're clever, and it's not scary and it's not clever. It's not haunted. Let the beautiful place be. Alrighty, up next is a haunted place. It's the Masonic Hotel. Now this one was built in the 1860s, then rebuilt after a fire in the 1890s then rebuilt again after the 1931 earthquake. Man, nature is trying to take this place down. Uh, witnesses report music comes on and off by itself. The lights turn on and off by themselves. There's the shadows, the voices, the cold spots, the full-bodied apparitions. And they're all here, sadly, for a good reason. Because like most hotels, there have been a lot of deaths here, either natural or suicide alike. A regular guest died in the elevator. The old staff quarters are, I guess, it's hard to tell, but from what I can tell, the old staff quarters are no longer in use after a chef died in the bath there. I can't really tell if those old staff quarters aren't really in use, but it does seem like a chef did die in the bath in the staff quarters there. There are a number of dead ghosts have been, or dead ghosts, have of dead guests have been found by staff the next morning from natural causes and even more suicide, like every hotel, sadly. But it has all the typical ghost stuff. So once I get to the typical ghost stuff, let's move on to the next one. And the next one is the Highwick in Auckland. It was built in the 1860s. A lot of stuff was built in the 1860s. Uh, it's now a museum since 1981. What's been seen here? Well, for starters multiple reported sightings of a ghost of, not a ghostly, of ghostly women. And they're dressed in Victorian clothes. This seems like this is a residual haunting and these women are just on a loop. But every now and then they'll just appear and go about their business and then disappear again, dressed in Victorian clothes. Another ghost is often seen wandering the rooms. But best yet, there's a ghost dog here. That's right, a dog ghost has been seen here often. A spokeswoman claims that a black, a, a ghost black dog has been seen running across the garden to the property's boundaries often. And apparently the dairy cellar is also haunted as well. Many people sense the presence of a child in there, says a, an employee that works there as well, a spokeswoman that works there. So Highwick seems to be a place to go as well, for a variety of reasons, most importantly, 
Ghost dog. Go see the ghost dog. All right, here's a comment I found online from a former employee, kind of. He said, I worked in Newmarket as a security officer between 2006 and 2008, and Highwick House was one of our patrol clients, which we checked approximately three times per night. Most of the staff I worked with had seen, heard, and felt strange things while walking around the property at night. A couple of staff even refused to get out of the vehicle there. I personally had one incident, uh, let's see, where I attended an alarm activation in the children's bedroom upstairs. On entering the bedroom, I was struck with an icy chill and a very uneasy feeling. Then on opening a door at one end of the room that led into the attic space, I was met with the presence that caused an instant feeling of dread. He quoted an an ar- ooh an Antarctic an an Arctic cold. That's hard to say, and an extremely haunting sound. The patrolman that was with me yelled, "Let's get the hell out of here!" and then proceeded to run down the stairs and out of the house. I, of course, quickly followed and have not set foot in Highwick House since that night in 2007. So there you go. There's an eyewitness person to some ghostly crap. And an Antarctic cold. Boy, that's hard to say for me. I don't know why. An Antarctic cold. Say that five times fast. Up next are two hospitals. And I got to say, I like that New Zealand's hospitals are just like every hospital everywhere else in the world and haunted as crap. The first is the former King Seat, uh, King Seat Psychiatric Hospital. It was founded in 1932, closed in 1999. The hospital was a former psychiatric hospital where it said that the patients were mistreated, again, kind of like every psych hospital back then. It said that in its 67 years of operation, some patients fame, faced psychological and physical abuse, as documented in the 1988 Mason Report, and the 2007 report of Confidential Forum for Former Inpatients of Psychiatric Hospitals in New Zealand. Now, King Seat uh, closed in 1999, but the uh, building is still there. It's protected under the Auckland Unitary Plan, and some former patients continue to live with the trauma of their time there, this article says. One of the patients, Allison Pascoe, a 75-year-old, who arrived at King Seat in 1950 at the age of eight, says, I have horrible memories and I can't get them out of my mind. She said during the five years she spent there, she suffered uh, abuse from staff and residents and was consistently intimidated and threatened. She said, I feel trapped. I felt like I was left in a place to rot and die. Again, she was eight years old. She was later compensated for mistreatment at King Seat and other psychiatric hospitals, People say, why don't you move on? It's over now. Well, I can't move on. They weren't in those places. They don't have any idea of what it was like. Ugh, that's terrifying. It's said that um, a number of patients died there, but a lot of sites say the patients weren't the only ones dying there. Grain of salt, but supposedly this place had a high number of staff commit suicide within its walls. The New Zealand Herald wrote an article about an eight-year-old boy named Clem who died there, and his death was actually covered up by the staff. So, guess who's still seen there? Yep, Clem. But not only Clem, there's also a gray nurse is seen, quote, walking silently through the corridors. Sounds like terrifying stuff. And the basic ghost stuff is seen there as well. So, when I get to the basic stuff, let's move over to the next hospital, Oh, I already forgot how to say this one. It's the Waymet, Waymate, Waymate Hospital. I know I said that wrong. I apologize. 
He was built in 1879. The hospital closed in 1996. And former staff have reported doors opening and closing on their own, including doors that were known to be locked. They also have heard the sound of breaking glass. None is ever found. Unexplained temperature changes. And the presence of, quote, someone in the room. And guess who else is seen there? That's right. Not Clem. Sorry, Clem. Not Yuri. Sorry, Yuri. But the gray nurse. That's right. She's reported here, too. Is it the same gray nurse? No idea. But she's seen here wandering the corridor silently, just like the other hospital. Some say, though, that the gray lady here isn't a nurse, but a former patient. And there's a neat little backstory with zero facts. Here you go. She was beaten daily and was so abused she was afraid to leave the hospital, which is why she's still there. Or she's the ghost of a woman that hanged herself with a toilet chain. Why? No idea. No facts based that, uh, to base that on. But as you know, just having a ghost isn't good enough anymore, so let's give them an effed up backstory. It's so ridiculous. And all of the regular ghostly stuff is seen here, orbs and shadows and voices and stuff moving, the basics. So, up next is a more indigenous haunting. It's the Waitemo Caves Hotel, or Waitemo, 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 Caves Hotel. It was built in 1908 and extended in 1928. It's located at a high point near the caves. Many of these caves are considered sacred by the local Maori. Now, supposedly, one of the ghosts that's seen here is actually a Maori princess who was shot after attempting a visit, attempting to visit a British, shol- a British soldier she was in love with. Boy, I swear I haven't been drinking at all. Uh, the hotel is built on the site of an old British fort, and it's still open today. If you go there, you might see a Maori ghost couple dressed in Victorian clothing. They're often seen there. Again, it seems like it's on a loop. Cold spots, voices, noises, screams, children's laughter. And, according to a couple of sites, bathtubs dripping blood have been reported here. I don't know about that one. A former staff member's spirit is said to have uh, said to be here, still working. She arranges guests' shoes neatly for them. You know, I gotta say, Kurt here, that's one of my biggest fears, dying and still having to do my job. Uh, no, thank you. Alrighty, finally, the last one on this uh, episode. Oh, wait, no, I take that back. Oh, no, it is this, this, this is the last one. I apologize. It is the last one. It's Chateau Tongariro. Tongariro, which, you know, it sounds like a wonderful place to get a bite to eat and relax, but no, no, it's not. It's actually a former women's asylum in the 1940s. It's now a hotel. Basically, it was always a hotel, but in the 40s, for whatever reason, during the earthquake, they had, a, they had to find a place for the women's asylum. So they said, well, let's bring them on over to the chateau. All right, it's been a site of a murder, suicide, freak accidents, and a crap ton of paranormal activity, like curtains moving on their own, doors opening and closing, voices, shoves, shadows, and many sites say, if you stay here, and you're mean or bad or a dick to the people that work there or the guests, the ghost will even pack your bags and leave them by the door when you wake up. So 
you can look at that two different ways. You can either pretend to be a jerk so you don't have to pack your own bag. And, you know, maybe they'll do a better job packing bags because I can never get my stuff back in just quite right. So as you sleep, you know, the ghosts are packing your bags. Or you can read it this way. Look, if you're that much of a dick that a ghost is kicking you out of a hotel, then you just suck and you got to really rethink your life. Uh, the staff here tells of stories of a nurse named Charlotte who is said to have died in one of the rooms, and Charlotte continues to make her presence felt in the hotel, particularly particularly in one of the rooms, but it's not really clear which room. Based on what I can find, it's either room 308 or 305. Now, and you can, you can request those rooms if you want to stay there, and they're supposedly very spooky, and just don't be a jerk, okay? Just go there and be a nice person so you don't have to be kicked out by a ghost in the middle of the night. All right, here are a couple of comments online about this place, though, that I thought were kind of cool. Something to think about. I was looking for the lady ghost in the third floor corner room. Guess what? Lady ghost seen there, third floor corner room. I think that it's on the left-hand side as you walk into the chateau. I was doing a hospitality course, and I loved it, too. And we were shown around with the head waiter. My course mates got scared and did not stay in the room for long. And as we were leaving the room, I saw a lady sitting in the chair by the window. And I asked the waiter, who's the lady in the chair? And he stopped and looked at me and said, wait, what did she look like? I told him that she was pale in skin color and had some sort of veil over her head and her dress went out around covering her feet. He stopped dead in his tracks as my group walked on. And he said to me that I was lucky to, quote, see her. And he went on to tell, tell me that she was the bride to a pilot and was getting ready to marry the bloke when she saw him kissing another lady and she went out to say, say something to him. Um, and fell going down the stairs when she tripped on her wedding gown, died due to head injuries. Some people think that it's just the groom's sister that he was kissing and one of the family, blah, blah, blah. It's a big backstory. But she saw a ghost without even knowing the ghost backstory, which is the best way to go into a place like that. Uh, the next one says, I went to the Chateau in April 2014 for a surprise long weekend getaway with my partner. We were staying in room 312, which at the time we had no idea of any apparent hauntings in the room nearby. We had an amazing time and a good night's sleep the whole weekend, but the morning when we woke up to get ready to leave, I got up and went to the bathroom to brush my teeth, and my girlfriend was still lying in bed. She was chatting, me, chatting to me through the doorway while I was brushing my teeth, and then one of our room swipe cards just slipped off the table and onto the floor in the bedroom. My girlfriend was still in bed, and I was in the bathroom. We both stopped and looked at each other and tried to figure out what had just happened. As I leaned through the doorway to look at the table, the second swipe card slid off the table and onto the ground as well. Needless to say, we both jumped up and got ready and checked out as fast as we could. It was very creepy, and I can't explain how it happened. I've been back and stayed since, but I request to stay in the new wing. That's something you're going to hear a lot is if you stay in the old wing, spooky stuff happens. If you stay in the new wing, nothing happens. So my recommendation is if you go to this hotel, the Chateau Tongariro, ask to stay in the old wing. Come on, people. Uh, let's see. The next one says, my husband and I stayed in room 315. I could not sleep and in, ha and in a half-awake, half-dream state, I saw a nurse, a nurse and psychiatric patients being shackled to beds. It was super creepy, and I didn't sleep a wink. I will never stay there again. I got to reread that one because I butcher the crap out of that. My husband and I stayed in room 315. I could not sleep, and in a half-awake, half-dream state, I saw a nurse and psychiatric patients being shackled to beds. There you go. All righty, next one says, I stayed at the Chateau back in 2008. Unfortunately, I don't remember what the room number was these days, but I'm pretty sure it was in the old wing. 
I was staying there with my mom. I had a lot of trouble getting off to sleep as I couldn't get comfortable. At one stage, I felt the sheets lift and something get into the other side of the bed. At the time, I was just I just assumed that for whatever reason, it was my mother. I asked her in the morning and she said she hadn't moved all night. That's creepy. Something got into bed with her. Uh, doesn't say what room number for that one, unfortunately. And lastly, we stayed in the hotel where I abruptly woke up in a woke up a few minutes past 4 a.m. to what felt like a strong tap on my forehead. I thought my husband may have husband may have accidentally tapped me, but found him fast asleep on the other side of the bed, the far side of the bed, rolled up in the opposite direction. I checked and there was nothing on the floor that may have fallen off the bed head uh, and hit me on the head opposite. The room was the was at the time super hot. After a while, I heard a crack from around the corner. Then the room cooled right down. Suffice to say, I didn't sleep for the rest of the night. That about does it for the first... Oh, sorry. Didn't sleep for the rest of the night. All righty. That about does it for the first of hopefully many wonderful haunted New Zealand sites. And trust me, there is a lot more here too. I mean, a ton more. I couldn't, I could do three more episodes on, on haunted New Zealand alone. I didn't think it was that big of a place, but holy crap, they got a lot of haunted stuff. Again, high up on my list, New Zealand, Australia, high up on my list of places I want to go visit. And I got to say that it did not disappoint when I started looking into some of the haunted sites in New Zealand. So if you've been to New Zealand, did anything paranormal happen to you? Did you go to any of the ones that I've read on here? Or which ones did you go to? Even better yet, if I hadn't talked about them and you had a paranormal experience or you know of a paranormal location in New Zealand, I want to know about it. See if it's on the rest of this list. And if not, I'll add it to it. Because like I said, don't be surprised when I do another episode of Haunted New Zealand because I love it. All righty, that about does it for this week's edition of Paranormal Almanac. Once again, I'm your host, Kurt Sandig. Thank you so, so much. Have a happy holidays. I, I'm sure I'll do an episode next week as well, but just in case I don't get it out in time, I hope you have a wonderful Christmas. I have a happy holiday, whatever you celebrate. I hope it's uh, you're having a great time right now because it's the holiday season. It's tough for a lot of people. I hope these episodes take your mind off it a little bit, even though I'm talking about it right now. But I hope these episodes take your mind off of it just a little bit. And uh, just know, the Paramaniacs out there, all you Paramaniacs, I love you. You're the best. Thank you so, so much for listening. All righty, with that, once again, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvik, and this has been another edition of Paranormal Almanac. Slow where it was that slow where it